This morning we're going to look at uh, some scripture in Acts, and uh, this scripture in particular is an account of Paul and his shipwreck experience. Now, it's still not a downer. (laughs) There's some good, encouraging things that come from this. You know, let's face it, uh, the last several months, they've not been easy for anybody, have they? You know, it's really easy to be discouraged. You know, on top of that, as Americans, we just don't like to be inconvenienced. I'm, on, I'm, I'm at the top of the list. I get upset when I go through the line at McDonald's and somebody in front of me orders 10 meals and I have to wait for them till they get out of the line. You know? So I'm, I'm a prime example of the fact that, you know, it's real easy to get impatient and we don't like to be inconvenienced. And, you know, I, I used to, you know, make fun was not the right word because I always uh, loved senior adults, but kind of shake your head at older people that get set in their ways. Guess what? I'm there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and understand those kind of things. But the truth of it is, we're all set in our ways, aren't we? And we just, we don't like to be inconvenienced about things. And uh, so... Uh, really, it's in light of those things that I am going to share today, and uh, I entitled my sermon, Handling Adversity, and I'll make a side note, as a Christian, handling adversity, because Paul does a great job here of setting an example for us of how we should handle difficult circumstances. I can't think of a much worse circumstance than getting shipwrecked, could you? I, anybody ever here, here been shipwrecked before? I don't have my hand up because I got shipwrecked, but anyhow, I've, I've never experienced that. So, you know, sometimes it's easier to look at somebody who went through a worse experience of, of us than us and say, you know, wow, if they could do that, I guess God can help me in my circumstances of my life. And I kind of think of that. Let's stand together, shall we? I'm just reading a small portion. The whole 27th chapter of Acts plus uh, the most of the 28th chapter are really Paul's account uh, the, the shipwreck experience, but I'm just choosing some verses here to pull out of this to share with you, and then we'll look at this passage together. When it was decided that we should sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius, he belong, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship about to sail for ports along the coast of Asia, and we put out to see. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so we weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeasterner swept down from the island. The ship was caught up by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Claudia, or Clauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. um, They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard 
with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Pretty sad, really. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves the damage and loss, this damage and loss. Because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, and I'm just adding this, we must run aground on, a, on some island. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truths. It challenges us. It encourages us. It helps us to look at ourselves and, and examine who we are in relationship to you and, and even to others around us. So open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us today, Lord. We pray it in your precious name through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And everybody said? Amen. May be seated. <clears throat> All right. Again, uh, knowing, uh, choosing Paul as our example here, um, he is probably the perfect example of, of adversity. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Ananias... Uh, the man who was sent to Paul when he was still Saul to lay his hands on him and pray for him because God had changed his life. God told him, he said, I'm going to show him what great things he must suffer for my sake. Now the Bible never says that Paul ever knew that. But the truth of it is, he, that's exactly what happened in his life. In fact, if you'll look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, there's just a few verses here I thought I would read to you about, all, about some of the stuff that Paul dealt with uh, during his life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I begin reading again at verse uh, 23. And here's what he says. <clears throat> I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews... The 40 lashes minus one. By the way, we all understand about that, don't we? The reason they did 40 lashes minus one, that put them right at the point of death without actually killing them. So I don't know if anybody died from 39 lashes or not, but that was, that was their mentality. Wasn't that nice of them to do that? <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and they thought he was dead, but he got up and went back into the city. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. Now, it's interesting because this is the only account we have of Paul being shipwrecked. But obviously, he was on ships that wrecked a couple other times. I think I'd quit riding on ships if I would have been in that situation. <laughs> I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. 
Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Wow. <laughs> you know, Paul went through a lot in his life. But Paul always had the right attitude. I just jotted down some little portions of scripture that, that Paul wrote. Some of these were admonition to Timothy about being strong and, and letting the Lord guide his life. And uh, this is a real good one to connect with what we just read. Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We probably know that by heart, don't we? And by the way, that's great advice. That doesn't mean that we're happy about difficulty. It just says that we learn to, to live through that. And of course, bottom line, trust God. Now, now let's face it. Uh, Paul was a transformed man. He has probably the most miraculous conversion of almost anybody I can think about that the Bible even talks about. Would you agree with me? Uh, I, I, I jotted this down. Since my title was Handling Adversity, he went from being a cause of adversity. You know, he was on his way to Damascus to kill more Christians or to you know, have them carried off to being a target of adversity. And the reason that happened was because he came face to face with Jesus on the road to Damascus and his life was transformed. And by the way, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, was your life transformed when you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? Amen. By the way, let's remember that Paul was not a heathen. He was one of the most religious guys you'd ever want to come in contact with. It's true. It really was. He just had the wrong ideas about what, what spirituality was and what religion was. And God had to change his mind. And when he did that, he immediately began to defend Jesus Christ. In fact, when he got to Damascus after Ananias had prayed for him, uh, he started preaching, and they actually had to let him down in a basket over the wall because they were trying to kill him already. So what a start to, to his ministry. Uh, but that was a part of what he, he had dealt with, and he still said, I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Here was some admonition he gave to Timothy. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Good advice. Um, and in Philippians 3, 8, he said, I consider all things as rubbish compared to what I have in Jesus Christ. That's my paraphrase. He was committed totally to following God and, and doing uh, what was right in regard to who Jesus Christ was. Oh, by the way, I wrote down a couple of things that Jesus said. Uh, and uh, Jesus said to his disciples, in the world you will have trouble. King James says, tribulation, same thing. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's in John chapter 16 and verse 33. And in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews wrote this about Jesus. He in, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. That's what Jesus did. He went to the cross. And of course, we know that no one including Paul, didn't go through what Jesus Christ went through for us. And so we, we must think about that in our relationship to follow Jesus Christ. And there are lots of other scriptures as well, but those were just some that I took out of this passage of scripture. Well, real quickly, 
I, I, just, I just jotted, I went through this scripture and I jotted down some things that I think that Paul did right in a very difficult situation. And I thought it'd be good for us to think about those things. And I, as I looked at them, I thought, we could do all those things. Now, I'm not talking about being shipwrecked. I'm just talking about having a right attitude, a Christ-like attitude in the midst of difficult circumstances that we face in life. Has anybody in this room never had any difficult experiences that you've had to face? Oh, keep your hand down. <laughs> you know, we've all been there, you know? And the truth of it is, the longer we live, the more we're going to experience some difficulty in life. You know, my life's been good because of Jesus. I was raised in a preacher's home, and I, God called me to preach, and I, I've had a, a good life, a good life. But has there been difficulties? Well, sure, there have been difficulties in life. But knowing Jesus and following him has helped me to face even the difficult circumstances of my life with a right attitude, amen. And by the way, I didn't always up front have a right attitude. God helped me to do that, and that's what we see in Paul. Well, first of all, <clears throat> one part I did not read to you was at one of the places they stopped, uh, Paul said, you know, guys, I think we're going to be in real trouble here. We're going to, you know, with the ship and its cargo and that, if we don't just stay here and not go on. And uh, the centurion, you know, had a conference with the pilot of the ship and, and with the, the guys involved. Uh, one writer said that they must have taken a vote and they all decided they'd go on because they didn't like this harbor where they were going to have to, har to stay for the winter and they were probably going to be, have to spend about two or three months there. And probably what it meant was <clears throat> wasn't very exciting entertainment going on at that particular place so they didn't want to stay there. Oops, big mistake. <laughs> because as soon as they left, this, this hurricane came up and began to just lash the ship. And, and this went on for days and days. Uh, Paul said to, them, said to them as he tried to encourage them, what I read said, it's been several days. He finally got up and a little later and said, it's been 14 days, guys, and you haven't eaten anything. So how many days for sure this went on? We don't know, but it was a lot. And you know how it is when you're going through difficulty. Even if it's two or three days, it seems like two or three weeks. So it was something that was ongoing uh, for them. So the scripture that I read you is really about how Paul not only faced this situation himself, but helped those that were with him to deal with the situation that they were in. And... Uh, so he, he reminded them, he said, you know, guys, you should have listened to me, uh, you know, and, and we wouldn't have suffered this loss. But he didn't leave it there. You know, he just didn't say, yeah, see, see the mess you got yourself in? You know, well, let's face it. If we, if we lean on our own understanding, the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, Christ, and he will direct your paths. And that's what we need to do. Uh, the decisions in life that we make, they need to be based on what God wants us to do. Uh, we belong to him, don't we? <laughs> and so we seek his advice. Now, that doesn't mean we don't ever seek the advice uh, of a, a wise individual. But if we spend our life looking to people instead of God, we will suffer more difficulty in our life. Because our hope comes from God himself through Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Aren't you glad you found him as the answer for your life? And the quote, the peace in the midst of the storm. Well, anyhow, here are just some things that I want, I want to bring to your attention that uh, Paul, I believe, did a good job of. And it says that he saw, number one was, he saw hope in the midst of a seeming disaster. He saw hope in the midst of seeming disaster. Did you catch what I read there? He said that after they'd thrown all this stuff out of the ship, they lost hope that they would be saved. Now, I, I kind of... Um, tried to get to the bottom of that because it says we, so I, that seems like it includes Paul. By the way, Paul was not afraid to die. In fact, he said one time, it'd be better for me to, be, to, go, to die and go to be with the Lord rather than be here. But then he goes on to say, but probably I need to be here for now, you know, to minister to people and to help them in their lives. And so Paul wasn't afraid, afraid to die. But here's this, this situation where, where, you know, that's going on. And in the midst of it, he, he, saw, he, he saw good things. And you have to believe, though the scripture doesn't spell this out, that what he was doing, while some of them were fretting and stewing, he was praying. And what happened? Well, the Lord sent his angel, actually to him, to tell him something of, of hope of what was going to happen. It was kind of the bad news, good news things. So when somebody says to you, what do you want to hear first, the bad news or the, or the good news? Oh, give me the bad news first. The bad news was, Paul said, the ship's going to be gone. And all this cargo, you know, by the way, some of it was already gone then when he stood up. He said, that, that's going to be destroyed. But the good news is, he said, that not one life will be lost. Anybody have any idea, just off the top of your head, how many people were on that ship? 276. By the time I'm getting ahead of myself, but when they got to the place where they were rescued, 276 people got saved. Their lives got saved. Wow, isn't that something? You stop and think about the time and the lack of lifeboats. They had one lifeboat. You know what happened? They cut that thing off and let it get away because some of the crew decided they would let it down and they would escape while nobody was looking. And Paul just said, you do that, none of us will be saved. And so the soldiers cut the boat loose, and they had no way of getting away from that boat. But anyhow, the whole situation was that Paul believed God and saw the good in spite of the situation that they find, found themselves in. Um, and he was, not, he was bold. He was not, by the way, Paul was never afraid to stand up and be counted for Jesus' sake. Amen? Yeah. And that's something we need to learn in our life. And the truth of it is, in a world that is flopping around in, our, in a society where people are discouraged, you know they're talking about people who've committed suicide, more people who've committed suicide, who've gotten depressed and discouraged in their life during this whole thing. You know, I believe as Christians, we've got some good news for people that they need to understand about. And that is, we have a lot more hope than this world has to offer us. Amen? And it's not just about making it to heaven, and that's a part of it. We need to talk more about heaven. But there's good things that God wants to do in our life right now. Yeah. Amen? In the midst of difficulty. And if somebody who's going through something like that can look at us and see that we have hope, it probably will help them in their own lives. And that's really one of the aspects of what we're looking at here. Because of God coming to him, he was, had, had hope, and he shared that with other people. It says he told them that it was... The angel of God who stood beside him. And he said, 
and this, these are two very important things. He said, what the angel said to me, the message from God was, number one, don't be afraid. How many times does that phrase show up in the Bible? Over and over and over and over. Clear back in the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. I suppose if I had taken the time, I could have found some resource that would have told me how many times that's said in the Bible. It's a lot. Because God wants us to live by that principle. Don't be afraid. You know? You know? Don't be afraid. And by the way, Paul took that heart. The second thing he said, I have faith that it will be just as God said. And that's my third thing, uh, that he believed God. By the way, remember when the Old Testament, what it said about Abraham? Abraham believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. That's what it said about Abraham. What, what, was, what was Abraham believing God about? That God would make him a great nation and give him an offspring, and he was almost 100 years old and hadn't had any kids of his own, but he believed God. <laughs> pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing in itself, wasn't it? And that's what God wants us to do. God really wants us to believe him. Amen? Do you believe him this morning? I do. Hey, if Jesus would go to the cross and die for my sins, I think I can trust him with my life. And I can believe that he is going to do the right things for me and guide my life and provide the things that I need. And so he had a testimony of the presence of God and he was not afraid to share that. And he believed God what God had said. So that's great. Guess what? After Paul said that, things got worse. <laughs> that wasn't the end. That wasn't the next night when everything got okay. Things actually got worse because they finally just, just had to throw everything out of the ship and, and, and just even cut the anchors away. And they did finally sense that they were getting close to some kind of of land area, and they just headed the ship toward the shore. They saw the beach, hoping that they would make it. Well, that wasn't the end of it. The ship stuck in a sandbar, and the front of it was so embedded in that, and the storm was so bad that it beat the back end of the ship to the point where it actually just came apart. And I remember 276 people on that ship. The ship is now ripped apart. And what happens? Well, there's several things that happen. But the centurion finally said, hey, you guys that know how to swim, you better jump in and swim. He said to those that don't have to swim, find a plank, find something that floats, and go, and go toward, toward uh, uh, shore. Well, but anyhow, but right before that, after all this stuff was going on, it had been 14 days since they hadn't eaten at all. And Paul came out to them, and this is the, the point. He made, a, he set a right example before them. He said, guys, it's been 14 days since you've eaten. He said, you're going to need strength to make it to the shore. And he said, and so the next thing he does, did was he took bread, he broke it, he prayed, he prayed first. And I'm try, we've been trying to teach our grandkids that you don't take a bite of food, you pray first, and then you take a bite of food. <laughs> and they have a hard time, you know, or they're anxious to get whatever it is they've got, you know. They want to eat first, then, I don't know if they want to pray at all. But anyhow, we're working on that. 
<laughs> I figure that's one of the reasons that God put grandparents in the lives of grandchildren. Not that my children are not trying to teach them right. I'm re I think our, we're reinforcement to try to help our, our grandkids learn some of those things. And he prayed, unashamedly, he prayed, and you know what it says? He thanked God. I don't think he just thanked God for the food. I think he thanked God for the fact he knew he was going to deliver him. Are you with me? You know, and here's these guys, all the crew and all these passengers. And by the way, a bunch of them were prisoners. So was Paul, by the way. By the way, a whole other way that we could have gone on this was talk about having the right attitude personally because Paul was a prisoner. He was headed for Rome to be tried. And yet he has this positive attitude. Why? Because he's serving the Lord. And that's what's more important in his life than anything else. So at any rate, um, he, he does that and he says, guys, you need to do the same thing. And so as they watched Paul set the example and go ahead and eat himself, and I'm assuming that probably Paul didn't eat those 14 days either. It says they took food and were encouraged. You know, God came into our life to save us from our sins, but he saved us so we'd be a help to other people. Are you with me? I believe that with all my heart. And I'd be the first to say I've not always done that as good as I should. But folks, you know, that's part of the victory in our own personal life is reaching out and, and setting an example so that we can influence other people. Some of those guys would have died and never made it to land. And I get, no, the Bible doesn't say this, but it just makes common sense. If they hadn't taken food and strengthened their bodies. Have any of you ever gone 14 days without eating anything at all? I'm not talking about being in the hospital on IVs. I mean, I haven't. I have a trouble going one day without food. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? So their bodies were depleted. Oh, by the way, I had this, this interesting thought as I was looking at my scripture this morning. Let's see. If I went 14 days without food, I probably would lose between 20 and 30 pounds. I guess. Never gone that long before. But anyhow, I probably would be. So there are 276 big, I haven't figured out the, the uh, math on this. 276, they helped lighten the ship by all of them not eating for 14 days. Because if they all lost about 30, 20, 30 pounds, well, that was, that, that was some weight that the ship didn't have to bear anymore. I, that's stupid, but anyhow, that just popped into my mind this morning as I was, as I was reading the scripture again. And uh, so anyhow, by eating food, it gave them strength so they could make it to shore. Amen? So, what happened? Well, the ship was all being torn apart. They all, you know, did what they were, did, jumped into the water or grabbed hold of pieces of wood or whatever, and they made it to shore. I want to read you one verse out of this uh, particular passage that talks about um, what happened. And the islands was called Malta. By the way, I'll just make this statement. They, where they were at Crete, I looked at the map. Uh, Crete was a pretty good sized island. Uh, if they'd have stayed there, they'd probably been a lot better off. Crete was a little tiny island. You know how that, uh, that Italy is considered a boot? And off the end, that other Sicily is considered the football? That's for all you football fans here this morning. And... Uh, uh, Melita is a little tiny island down off of Sicily. 
It's just a real tiny place. Well, that's where they ended up. Uh, they didn't want to spend the winter in the, another haven because it just didn't, wasn't, it wasn't to their liking. So they ended up going to a little tiny island. <laughs> you know, that was, uh, uh, you know, a justice of one sort or another. But, but what happened to them was, was very amazing. Because I just want to read you a verse or two because I think it's important. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The island showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Isn't that something? 276 people floods on your island and they took care of them. You see, God had made the preparations. Amen? That's what he had done. He took care of him. Oh, by the way, that wasn't the very end of the tale of what happened to Paul, because you know what happened to him? And by the way, this which is my, my last overall point, he committed himself to help other people. And so what they were doing was they were making this great big fire, and Paul brought a bunch of firewood to throw on the fire. What happened? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah. While he's throwing on there, a viper, I'm assuming what that means is a poisonous snake, latched onto his arm. By the way, this, this is the mentality of the world. And they looked at him and said, oh, he must be a murderer. He made it to land, but he's going to die now. Are you with me? Maybe that's just the, the mentality of a pessimist. I don't know. <laughs> and Paul just shook the snake off into the fire, and they watched him. How long? We don't know. And when they thought that he would swell up and die, he didn't. Why? Because God protected him in that situation. But anyhow, that was, that was the last thing that happened to Paul in, that, in the negative sense. What did happen was, he ended up spending three months there. The first thing he did, that the guy that was the governor of the island, or whatever he was, main guy, his dad was real sick with dysentery. And Paul went in, laid his hands on him, prayed for him, and he got healed. Guess what? When the people of the island found out about that, they all came, and you know what the scripture says? They were all healed. Wow, that little island had never been so healthy before. <laughs> and they stayed there for three months. Now again, this is an area where the scripture is silent, but I'm, knowing Paul's background, I'm going to tell you what happened with Paul. He continued to help other people. You can be assured that he preached for those three months about Jesus Christ. Amen? And I have a feeling that when he left that island, there were a lot of Christian people that he left behind. And you know something? I wouldn't doubt that there were a bunch of people who were on that ship who got their lives straightened out and started believing in Jesus Christ and were new creations because of him. Amen? Amen. We make a difference. Oh, that's a job for preachers. No, that's a job for believers. You know, maybe somebody's looking at our life and saying, what? There's something different about that person. What is, what is it that makes them different? It's Jesus that makes us different. And the world needs to hear about that. Amen? Amen? And in the midst of our difficulty, they need to see that we handle things differently. <laughs> because our hope and our trust is in Jesus Christ. And Paul made a tremendous difference. Well, they finally did get back in, uh, in another boat and took off and ended up in Rome. And in the last two verses of Acts, it's a great finish 
to what, it, what Paul's life was and what God did. In verse 30 and 31 of chapter 28, it says this, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his, he's talking about now in Rome, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know, sad to say, we don't know for sure, but Paul was either beheaded or was given poison. Uh, and the sad thing is, they just didn't know what to do with him. Of course, that was not a problem for Paul because he went to be with the Lord. But he used that time for two years to talk to people. And I, I read one thing several years ago. This guy said he, he had a soldier with him all the time. He said, man, just think of the influence he made on those Roman soldiers that came to know Jesus because Paul took the opportunity. And he could have sat there and say, well, after all the things I've done for the Lord all these years, here I'm ending up in this place by myself and they won't let me out, blah, 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 blah. We can make lots of excuses for what, why we can't be effective or, or, or make a difference in people's life. But what we need to do, folks, is thank God for who he is, thank him that for what he's done in our life, and then reach out and make a difference in the lives of other people. Amen? Amen. Sounds good. By the way, I've got, to, uh, uh, I've got to finish, but I just need to say this. Every one of these things that I talked about, any Christian can do that. Are you with me? By the way, if you were here this morning and you're not a Christian, you have no idea what you're missing out on. I, you know, I've, you know I've been a, I was a pastor for 42 years. I've heard it all. Well, I know so-and-so, and they claim to be a Christian, and blah, blah, blah. Well, they weren't obviously a Christian, or they wouldn't have set that poor example. Are you with me? Being a Christian is a good thing. When somebody looks at your life and sees that Christ really makes a difference in your life, it will affect them. And they may want to know what really makes a difference in your life. And if you, keep, if you would really ask God for the opportunity to help somebody else, I'll tell you what, he'll provide it. That you can reach out to somebody else. Amen. Am I happy about the things that we've been through over these last several months? No. <laughs> I have to admit, I must be getting used to it because I find myself, I just said that before church, I find myself getting into the car and forgetting to take my mask off. And I was kind of saying, look at those people, they still got their mask on in the car. Now I'm doing it. I'm getting so used to having things. Or the other extreme is, Cindy and I get out of the car, we just did this this, this week, heading into the, the, the restaurant, oh no, we forgot our mask, and we have to go back and get our mask, put our mask on. You know, but guess what? It's, it's inconvenience. But it doesn't change who I am as a follower of Jesus. And I want to be a positive influence on the lives of other people. Don't you? Amen. Would you stand with me and bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for the fact that you always care for us and provide in every way. Touch our lives, Lord. Touch our, our, our very perspective on life. Man, if Paul could have such a positive attitude with all the stuff that he had dealt with in his life, surely, Lord, we could be a person who really sets a good example and looks for ways to make a difference in other people's lives. And would you help us, Lord, even from this point on, to be more effective in that way and to rejoice that we know you as Savior and Lord. We pray it in your precious name through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And again, everybody said? Amen. Okay, now, now Ray, Pastor Rachel usually ends with, with a blessing. I want to I end with a, with a chorus of a song 
that would challenge our hearts. You know the chorus of Make Me a Blessing? Sing it with me. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. And God bless you, and whatever you need to do to be dismissed, you may be dismissed. <laughs>